Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it had been 511 days since Michigan State fans got to watch their football team at Spartan Stadium, but the long wait finally came to an end last weekend when 6,000 people saw the Spartans in action and many more on Big Ten Network. Spring game observations, the NFL draft, and more player movement on episode 33 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion here with Matt Wenzel on Thursday, April 29th, 2021. Uh, Matt, can you believe it? We're almost to May. 2021 seems to be flying by. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it seems like it was just uh, a few minutes ago that the season ended abruptly in December, and now we're already into the, uh, you know, it was weird after the, the open practice on Saturday. You know, they, they've got some time off coming, and then it's eight weeks of strength and conditioning, and that leads right into fall camp. So, um, obviously talking football here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's moving right along. Kyle's not in the building, Matt. So we're, of course, we're talking football. None of that. No need for basketball talk in May. Like basketball season, firmly in the off season. The transfer portal is slowed down, at least on the basketball front. Uh, but plenty of action in the football realm. We'll talk about that in a little bit as Michigan State continues to be very active on the portal. Um, but first, we want to touch on the spring game. We'll do that in a second. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Please check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. Follow Matt, Kyle, and myself on Twitter. Send us your questions for the future. We'd very much appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah, let's get into it. The spring game took place last Saturday. It wasn't really a game, as Matt's pointed out several times, more like a, a practice. Um, but it was still nice to get some insight and see sort of how Mel Tucker runs his practice. Very up-tempo, spirited afternoon at Spartan Stadium. The fans seem to be enjoying themselves, uh, cheering for touchdowns, throwing down the sideline against a vanilla defense. Jaden Reed just tearing up Spartan Stadium. It was good to see in that new number one. Um, but, Matt, let's start, on, uh, the, let's start on the defensive side of the ball. I, you know, as we said, it, you kind of mentioned you had to keep your eyes in a lot of different places, especially in the early part of the day. But... I don't know. What, what are some of the things that caught your eye, I guess, on the defensive side of the ball? And obviously they're going to bring in a lot of players on that side of the ball too, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason it wasn't a real spring game, which Mel said he's pretty much what he's done everywhere he's been is was pretty obvious going in and even more obvious on Saturday, the lack of depth they have at corner and linebacker. I mean, they had six linebackers dressed and seven quarterbacks. So you just, you can't expect to to go out there and play a full spring game with, with that. And I mean, you saw the mismatches with some of the guys. I mean, you had, you had, but mostly you had walk-ons 
playing a cornerback for, for the most part. And, you know, that's not going to be a, a matchup that's going to favor them against a guy like Jaden Reed. So um, I completely understand the format they used. I thought it was interesting to see how they practiced. Uh, the tempo was, was stood out, you know, they were very quick and, you know, right when they, they, they started after stretching, they got right into a hurry up offenses, two groups on the field. Um, but to get back to your point defensively, yeah, really thin at linebacker. Um, Chase Klein wasn't even available on Saturday for reasons um, that weren't disclosed. So Noah Harvey was your, the only linebacker on, on the field that, that has played defensive snaps for MSU. Cal Halliday moved up into, you know, first team defense with him and, and Noah Harvey had said that he was, uh, Cal was a guy that had been doing well in practice. So, um, and then, yeah, cornerback, uh, you, you need reinforcements at linebacker, which are coming. You need reinforcements at cornerback, which are coming. Um, Kalen Gervin and Angelo Gross were, are the only two scholarship cornerbacks returning. Gervin was dressed and going through some of the, the early stuff, but I, didn't, I don't recall seeing him during the scrimmage portions. If it was, it was very brief. Um, and Gross was, was lined up at safety. So I thought that was interesting. You thought, you know, you know with the way he, he started the last four games at nickel last year, you thought, all right, you know, that could be a spot or, you know, he thought his physical makeup and the way he plays could translate to moving outside the corner, but, um, you know, it's a safety now, at least that's what they showed. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and the defense, you know, the defensive line is, is the clear strength of that side of the ball right now with you get, when you got both starting ends returning in Panasuk and Beasley, you bring in Drew Jordan, you've got depth behind them, guys like Michael Fletcher, Jack Camper. Um, Jeff Petrowski, um, and then at tackle, they're they're strong there as well. After losing only Naquan, uh, the other the other guys in the rotation last year returned. Uh, Jacob Slade, who's a starter, was not available, um, but Sean Mallory and Jalen Hunt, those were the two guys in the middle primarily getting most of the snaps. I thought Simeon Barrow, who didn't play last year as a true freshman, he opted out. Uh, he looked good at times. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, those are those are kind of the takeaways from on that side of the ball. Um, but yeah, <laughs> need to shore up a couple of really uh, of key spots in the back seven there this summer. I um, the broadcast in uh, Darian Harris was on the Big Ten broadcast. He was talking a lot about Jalen Hunt, um, and he's yeah. he's wearing that ninety nine worn by guys like Raquan Williams and Jarrell Worthy. I mean, obviously that probably mean something within the program that they would you know that he would don that number and uh you know he he's a kid from uh from Belleville I believe and mm-hmm. he's uh you know he's definitely flashed I would say early in his Michigan State career mm-hmm. um but he seems like a guy that has the skill set for being as big as he is I saw a couple of nice spin moves and not in the parts of the game that I was or the practice that I was able to watch he's very nimble for his size and he seems like someone who could uh, you know, uh, Darren even said he could end up being one of the better D linemen to ever play at Michigan State, and that's saying something. What you got to remember about him is one, he also played running back in high school, if you yeah. can believe that. Um, but he he signed with Iowa. Right. You know, he was set to go to Iowa, and, and it fell apart late. Um, I just pulled up his two four seven, and it still says he plays for Iowa. I'm like, what are we yeah. doing here? <laughs> yeah, well, need some updating, obviously. But you know, he he signed with Iowa, and then he didn't qualify academically. It was like a online chemistry class, and it was Michigan State got on, you know, stayed with him late. Um, he got his release from Iowa, and Michigan State brought him in. And I remember talking to him on like a. It's like a Friday night in August. He like tweeted, if I remember right, he like tweeted that he was committed to Michigan State or then now, and I called him that night. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, he explained kind of the process. And he said, oh, I know, I think I'll be showing up soon. I don't know. And then we were at practice two days, three days later, whatever that Monday. And there he was out there with the D tackles. So 
Um, didn't play that year, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a big upside. Um, he's a guy they obviously really like, and I would say that, you know, I would pencil him in next to, uh, Jacob Slade as a starter this fall with, uh, Deshaun Mallory, uh, being a guy who's got a high upside too. Pretty, uh, pretty solid D line, honestly. I mean, obviously yeah, yeah, you need that in the big 10. Yeah. That's obviously their strength, um, going into the, um, coming out of the spring clue. That's where they got the most depth coming back again. Uh, Naquan was the only guy at all, only scholarship lineman at all. They lost um, non-portal related, I should say, for mm-hmm. this week. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think they, they feel pretty good about their defensive line. And I thought it was overall, you know, they need to increase the pass rush. That was obviously not a strength last year. But other than getting run over at Iowa and Justin Fields tearing them apart, um, they were mostly solid against the run last year. Um, but need to improve the pass rush. That's obviously a focus. They hope a guy like Drew Jordan can improve that and, and some of the other guys they got coming back. Offensively, most of the early reps went to uh, Peyton Thorne and Anthony Russo uh, at quarterback, which is, which is not really surprised. It seemed like Elijah Collins, Cam Hayward, and um, uh, Kenneth Walker were getting most of the reps with the first team offense at running back. Jaden Reed obviously scored a couple touchdowns. Uh, Ian Stewart, a young receiver probably had the, the 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 highlight of the day going up and making a, a catch over top of a defensive back. Kate McDonald flashed a little bit, I thought, uh, at the receiver spot. But again, you're going against you know some uh, guys who probably aren't going to be playing in games on the defensive side of the ball. So we probably have to take these offensive developments, you know, uh, with a grain of salt. But I mean, what caught your eye on offense? Well, I mean, it was what everybody expected going into it would be that. It's, it's Russo or, or Thorne at QB, and, and they were clearly the top two guys. Um, I thought they both looked good for the most part. Um, you know, you saw Thorne with the, uh, the touchdown pass to Cade McDonald, former high school teammate at Naperville Central. Um, you saw his touchdown pass to Jaden Reed, former teammate at Naperville Central. Um, Russo, I thought, looked solid for the most part, too. Uh, he had the touchdown pass to, to Reed on the uh, double move. Uh, but again, these guys are going against mostly for, for the most part, walk on corners. Um, but I think what you see now, I mean, for, I thought going into it, I figured Russo would probably have the edge um, slight edge just based on his experience. Um, he's, he spent more years in college than, than um, Peyton Thorne has uh, appeared in games. So, but I think what you saw Saturday is, is maybe there it's, it's Thorne that's probably got the slight edge just based on having more time to work in that system. And this is where the summer comes in, to play where um, Russo, you know, can, he obviously has time to, to dive more into it and learn more. He said he thought he's light years ahead now from where he was in January when he arrived and, and hopes to be that be the case when fall camp starts compared to now. So I think that'll be interesting to see. And then we obviously saw um, a mild surprise, I guess you'd say would be that um, Noah Kim certainly mm-hmm. appeared to leapfrog um Theo Day for the number three quarterback spot. And he looked good at times. And, you know, he's, he's, yeah. a, he's still pretty light. He's 180 or whatever it is. So, you know, he can put on a little size, but, you know, he was a guy that was very, very accomplished high school quarterback, even though he wasn't among the highest rated guys. Um, he won a lot of games and uh, he's, you know, talented kids. So um, that's interesting. And then um, yeah, running backs. I mean, with, with the offensive line, the way it was, I mean, they were missing um, three guys who started at least a game last year. There wasn't a heavy focus on the run. I don't think you really want to do that so much in a situation like that. But, yeah, as expected, uh, Kenneth Walker is going to be one of your guys. Uh, Elijah Collins looks a little bit better than he did last year, obviously. Um, Connor Hayward 
gives them something else out of the backfield. And yeah, you kind of, kind of go from there. Um, Jordan Simmons also in uh, Donovan Eaglin. So uh, yeah. And then I, against you, you mentioned uh, Ian Stewart. I thought he made a couple of really nice plays. Both of them were catches from, uh, from Noah Kim. And the one was the, uh, the deep ball, which was underthrown a little bit. So it was kind of a little bit of a jump ball, but he showed good athleticism going up there. And he's a bigger guy that he came in as a receiver. They moved him to tight end during um, last season. And now he's back at receiver and yeah, get a chance to see what he can do. Did um so they were missing what AJ Curry, uh Luke Campbell, who was who was the other there was another lineman that they were out? Uh, uh it was our Curry, Campbell, Duplain, Buter. Okay, so, so none of them were on there. And Justin Stevens, um, you know, so really it was they were missing five offensive linemen, four of whom have started games in their career. But Luke Campbell, you know, he's coming off, you know, missing all of last season with the, with the, the knee injuries, the after knee surgery. So I, you don't really know where he's at um, physically. I mean, I have seen him in some of the videos they put on of practice. Um, can't say I saw him doing too much, but um, yeah, Duplain, Buter, Arcuri are the guys that were starters last year, um, at least at one point or another. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, it, it was fun to get just get get a look, you know, just to see the guys where they were lining up. I think maybe we got a little bit better idea of maybe how the depth lines up. Probably more on offense than defense, because, like we said, defensively they're going to bring in players at linebacker. They're bringing in players in the secondary. Not all of them are there yet. They'll be there for fall camp, presumably. Um, and and it's the defense is probably going to look a lot different, you know, at least in the in the. Uh, the, the linebacking core in the secondary when we see them in the fall. Um, hopefully you'll get a little bit better look in the fall, <laughs> you know, maybe leading in fall camp, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, it'll probably be, you know, I don't imagine they're going to be cracking the doors open to give everybody a look and see what they look like with all these new guys. So it'll probably be Northwestern uh, September 4th or whatever it is, where you get a real, real feel for what this, what they look like. Cause they will look particularly on defense a lot different um, mm-hmm. in fall than they did in the spring. Well, and then just me from a from a personal fan standpoint, I couldn't go to the game. I was at my nephew's birthday party, but just like watching the little bit on TV that I did see and watching, you know, Twitter highlights and stuff, it was just so great to hear like fans cheering in the stadium again and the band playing and uh, you know the Sparty and I, I don't know if Zeke was in the stadium, but it was just nice to see like. I know you as a B reporter don't care as much about this stuff, but for me, it was just nice to feel like just a little bit of normalcy again, because last year, I mean, you could probably speak to it better than I could. You were in the stadium. It had to have been bizarre watching games with no fans there. Yeah, it was. Um, Iowa was the game where the, the attendance was the highest reported attendance. And it was like, what was it like 1200 or 1400 or whatever? And it was like, like that day, I remember it being like, okay, this is noticeable. And there's like a thousand, you know, barely a thousand people in the stadium. Um, and that wasn't much of a game, but you know, the 6,000 or whatever, you know, attendance was on, on Saturday. It was notable. You could hear the crowd. Uh, what you missed the most from, from my perspective is, you know, the game's going on, everything's happening fast. You, you, you look down for five seconds to type something. Um, what you're used to is if there, all of a sudden there's a big play, you, you're the crowd alerts you head to it. Your head up. pops right up. And <laughs> yeah. you, now when you're busy writing, you know, it's up in a big play, goes, all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wait, what the hell just happened? You know, you didn't even know they're, they're in the end zone and you're watching the replay on either the, you know, the Jumbotron or, you know, I usually have the stream up on my, on my laptop too. So that, that is one thing is definitely uh, was definitely missed. I like the uh, crowd being there to alert you to uh, start paying a little more attention and stop looking at your computer writing. Working. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, hopefully, you know, by the time fall rolls around, we'll be able to have more than 6,000. I think uh, Governor Whitmer came out today, you know, and sort of laid the, the levels of, uh, you know, uh, for vaccine basically thresholds. Um, and if the more people, basically it comes down to more people, if the more people get vaccinated, the more people you're going to allow to have in the stands for sporting events. So, uh, you know, if you yeah. love sports, if you want to watch college football, if you want to watch sports of any kind in Michigan, get those shots in your arm, man. That's, it's really not that hard. Like just, just do it. If you want sports that's what we got to do at this point so um it was nice to see that though at least maybe a little bit of you know i know sports is just one angle we could take from that but um it's at least nice to you know have a little guidance and and threshold thresholds where we could maybe expect to see you know fans coming back into spartan stadium yeah i mean i think you'll see um i i don't I don't imagine they'll be at 100 percent capacity uh, at spartan stadium this, this fall but i think you'll see um, a decent size crowd. I, 35? You know, 30? Yeah, I, I mean, may, maybe, maybe around there. I mean, again, it, it, it depends on, you know, the, I mean, there's just so many hoops to go through. The Big Ten washed its hands of it, um, you know, a month or so ago. They mm-hmm. said it's, uh, it's off our plate. So that will be interesting to see, you know, how that differentiates between certain stadiums. You know, if you're, if you're going to uh, – um, they're going to be playing in Miami. I think we know Florida's a little different. Uh, I don't imagine the crowd size at Spartan Stadium will be the same in, in at, what is it, Hard Rock Stadium yeah. in, in I Miami. Got t- I all. got tickets for it last week. I'll be there. Oh, yeah. I'm pumped well, about it, it. It'll be interesting. So, um, yeah, I think you'll, you'll see definitely more fans there this fall than we had on Saturday, obviously. All right. Well, you mentioned uh, Noah Kim jumping Theo Day. Uh, that led to um, him transferring this this week and he was yeah. one of the many transfers i mean i think oh. it was i don't know he maybe already knew his his standing um but i don't know like it, it seemed like the writing was on the wall for him i mean if he's been there longer and he's already getting jumped why is he gonna stay yeah there? yeah i mean t- this was not a surprise at all i mean if you're if you're in year four and your fourth string yeah, I mean, if you want to play, I mean, it's it's pretty clear you're going to have to go somewhere else, or you're expecting everybody to get injured in front of you. Um, so yeah, I mean, not a surprise. Theo hasn't played. He only appeared in two games, uh, both in the 2019 season. He got some snaps in a blowout against Western, and then uh, against Penn State. And the last the last play he, he the last snap he took for Michigan State in a game was against Penn State. He called the wrong play, and he got pulled in the series. And that was it. So um, he was third string last year. Um, now it looked clearly like he was fourth string going into uh, coming out of the spring. So yeah, not an ideal situation. And, and he's one of nine guys that have entered the portal since Saturday. Uh, quick rundown, offensive lineman, Justin Stevens and Damon Kaler, kicker, Jack Olson, tight end, Dominique Wardo, uh, DNs, Diari Todd, Josiah Robinson, D tackle, Chris Mayfield and walk on long snapper, Bryce Eimer. So those are the nine so far, um, and I don't think it's entirely uh, – it shouldn't be a surprise at all that, that they have more attrition coming out of the spring. Um, I think that's pretty common everywhere, and we'll see if there's any more. Um, I would expect it – whoever's going to, to know pretty soon, and now you have the, the decision from the NCAA to officially, officially approve the one-time transfer exception. And, um, yeah, so that's, that makes it interesting too. Um, you get deadlines set to to do that, and you go from there. 
Did any of those transfers surprise you? I mean, I, I was talking about on Twitter that, you know, we shouldn't – I saw some, you know, rival fans trying to make it a big deal, like, oh, Mel's losing control of the ship. It's like, no, they, these guys just know where they stand. They want to leave. Some of these guys are D'Antonio guys. They want to go and play. They see where they're on the depth chart. It's not going to happen. It's pretty standard. But did any of the the transfers, like, surprise you? I think maybe you mentioned the kicker was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of those nine, uh, Theo Day is the only one who's appeared in the game. So, I mean, part of this is guys – you know, a guy like Yari Todd, who's been here for four years, he hasn't appeared in the game. I mean, it's pretty clear, you know, you're going to probably have to go elsewhere uh, if you want to get on the field. Um, but, yeah, Jack Olson was really, I think, to be honest, that's the one that, that kind of stands out as a loss just because of where they're at at the position uh, with Matt Coglin coming back for uh, six years. And he's a four-year starter. He's one of the most accomplished kickers in program history. But that's all they got right now. With Olson, and Olsen was – he was ranked number two kicker in the, in the, in his class by Chris Saylor kicking. Uh, didn't play last year as a true freshman. I, I remember talking to him. I think, you know, he expected to come in and learn. Um, but with, with, with Matt coming back for his sixth year and it being certainly appearing that he was going to have to wait another year. Yeah. Uh, and now where do you, where are you at? If, if, if there's an injury or, or, if, or if Matt struggles like he did in, in 2019, there is really no backup plan right now. Cole Hahn is your, is your other scholarship kicker and he's coming off his third knee surgery. So he was out there on Saturday in uniform, but he wasn't able to participate in any of the stuff. And they had a video program released a couple of weeks ago and, you know, he's not kicking yet. He, when they, the video came out, he said it was the first time he'd like put on cleats in, in a month. So um, yeah, you're going to have to address that. And you're going to have to address, they had one punter on Saturday. It's Bryce Berenger is the only punter on the roster. I mean, Tyler Hunt and, and Evan <laughs> yeah. Morris both joined the program as walk-on punters, um, but both are now at tight ends. So, um, yeah, they got a little bit of uh, special teams depth to uh, shore up here um, now and in the summer. Protect Coglin at all costs, <laughs> or we're going to have yeah, a backup yeah. quarterback kicking or something. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, <laughs> well Coglin and um, Olsen were both split out at wide receiver at one point in the uh, um, open practice on Saturday, so. Wow. That that formation is now uh, that wrinkle is now gone. Yeah. Um, as far as transfers coming in, obviously that continues to happen as well. There was there was one pretty significant one this week. Uh, Quavarius Crouch committed to the University of Michigan State. <laughs> Just kidding. The Michigan State University. Uh, this kid, by all accounts, is a fantastic athlete. Started for Tennessee last season. Top 60 kid coming out in uh, 2019. Four-star kid. Um, what Played running back in high school. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's a good athlete. Uh, starting in the SEC, I was watching some tape on him. Looks like a fast, athletic, side-to-side, traditional SEC linebacker. That's going to bring some speed and athleticism that, you know, Michigan State doesn't always have at linebacker. Um, obviously, just a verbal commit now, but I think, you know, maybe there was rumors that he was at the spring game or at least there was someone in a crouch shirt. I don't know if that was him or someone related to him. Um, but this is obviously a big pickup by Mel Tucker. Yeah, I saw the photo too. I mean, it's from behind, so – but it, it certainly seemed to match up, um, and I was told that that was indeed him and that he was there. Um, so – a little bit of a surprise and, and the rumors had been that he wasn't going to announce anything. He was just going to enroll. Um, but that changed. Um, on, what was that Tuesday? He saw so, who was on the field at linebacker and was like, I can play right away. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, interesting. Um, yeah. And he's, he's obviously a huge pickup. So that's one of three uh, linebacker 
uh, transfer commits you've got. Uh, ben Van Summeren from Michigan was the first. Octavian Brown from Minnesota was two. And now we have Crouch. And he fits the guy, the mold of a guy you should expect to come in and, and be a day one starter. I mean, I don't – we'll see how he, you know, he fits, you know, at Michigan State. But I, I think you have to expect that guy to come in and compete immediately for a starting spot and take one of those um, – and, you know, what is – you mentioned the running back stuff. I think that is what is what's interesting about him is he primarily was a running back in high school, but he, he thought linebacker was best for his long-term future, NFL future, making money, um, you know, and he looked at a lot of things. And so, I, you know, he missed his whole senior season in high school, I believe, due to injury. So, I think he's still a little bit raw at that, at that position, watching some of the tape on him, use some, use some more coaching. But, I mean, he was productive and made 11 starts, started all 10 games last year for, for Tennessee. Um, so I'll be interested to see how he does with, with the new coaching staff um, fitting in that scheme. And, and I think he's still a guy, he's obviously got a huge upside uh, potential and it's interesting to see how they can develop him um, when he's, you know, really had, had limited defensive um, linebacker snaps and experience in high school as primary running back. And now step into the big 10. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see him develop. And I think Van Summering's another guy that you look to be, you know, I don't know if he's, he's going to take a starting spot, um, but definitely one of your top four at the position, you would think. So. Mm-hmm. I would think all three. I mean, even Tank Brown, I would think, would factor. I mean, he's kind of the end outside linebacker yeah. type. And they only play two yeah. linebackers. So, and they're- Yeah, and he, you know, he didn't play at all last year. So, I mean, I, all the transfer guys coming in, everything, I, I have like two categories for him. I've got the guys who have played in the FBS level, and the guys who haven't, and a lot of the guys who haven't are pretty much the guys who were from the, uh, they just, they were, didn't play last year as true freshmen. And I think they're, they're fit more of a recruiting need. Like you're bringing in a guy who's basically a recruit. So he spent a year in college, but didn't really, you know, never saw the field versus guys like Russo and Drew Jordan and Kenneth Walker and Quiveris. The, these guys have played at the, at the college level and they've shown what they can do and they just, they're in a different category. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, another, you know, this, you saying that just kind of brought uh, or something popped in my head when I was trying to watch bits and pieces of this broadcast I recorded uh, the BTN guy, people, uh, Lisa Byington and Jerry DiNardo were talking about um, how Mel Tucker has sort of adopted this uh, recruiting uh, tactic where he's got guys that are sort of like monitoring high school recruits, but then he's got guys that are sort of taking a more NFL approach where it's almost like they're, they're just searching the portal and, you know, pseudo free agency. Um, I just thought that was interesting the way that Mel is sort of dividing his mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's not unique, but um, you know, the way he's clearly focused on the portal. It's just so different from how D'Antonio was. And yeah. uh, so it's just interesting, I think from a fan standpoint. Yeah, and, and Mel's talked about this a number of times, that basically he's separated the recruiting department. Um, you, they have guys that monitor the portal all the time, and they, they treat that like free agency. And then there's a primary focus on high school recruiting, and they treat that like the draft. Um, and he's been, said a number of times he wants to build the program through the recruiting and supplement it with the portal. So I think you're seeing – I don't expect there to be. Um, so we're at 26 guys that have entered the portal since November 16th. I don't think that's going to be an annual thing with Mel. I'm sure I've talked about this on here before. A lot of this being a delay effect from not getting a real spring uh, offseason last year. Um, but with the, let's see, 14 scholarship transfers, either already with 
with the five with the program and commits from the rest. I don't think that's going to be a common thing every year. You know, I think this is part of him resetting the roster, part of it being the one-time transfer rule. And I think you'll, you'll see him you hit the portal every year, I'm sure. But I think this is going to be a, a big surge in, in, at this point in time, and it will die down a little bit in the future for, for him. Or for yeah, them. He's, I mean, he's rebuilding his roster. I mean, he had a roster built to guys that were D'Antonio's guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, and he's obviously, you know, given some of those guys an opportunity to continue to play under him. And, um, but, you know, he wants to build the roster that he has. He seems to have a different eye for the type of player he wants, um, specifically with actual physical traits like in, in terms of the actual body type that he wants he seems to really like bigger guys um so i, I just think in, he's going for a different thing and he's rebuilding tweaking uh, in the workshop so to speak and that shouldn't be surprising with a guy who's trying to uh rebuild a program the way he wants to yeah and at the same time if guys can play guys can play you know i think you've seen that from some of these guys that have, have come out there and shown what they can do i mean just for example a guy like jeff petrowski who, who keeps getting mentioned by the coaching staff um, you know, he's a guy that was like a linebacker slash DN coming out of high school, played at um, St. Edward, which is a program Mark D'Antonio hit for a lot of guys, all three Dowell brothers from there and Tori Foster's from there as well. Really good program, you know, state power. But he was viewed as like an undersized guy, you know, 6'1", 250. That's, I don't think that's the, um, that fits really the size profile Mel is looking for in a DN, but at the same time, you know, guys talk about how hard he plays, how he's a leader, and he competes every, you know, every snap in practice, and, and the teammates respect him for that. So even if you don't fit that profile, if you're going to go out there and, and work that hard and do what you can to stand out, you're going to – I think he'll – Mel will <laughs> – he's going to reward guys for doing that. And he's, he's been definitely one of those guys in that, in that range who have, um, who have stood out. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, if you can play, you're going to play. I mean, this mm-hmm. is college, major college football it really comes down to, uh, you know, the, the X's and O's and what you do uh, between the lines. So speaking of guys who can play uh, the NFL draft is tonight, Matt. I know that you, we were talking off air, your uh, mixed feelings about covering the NFL draft all three days of it. It kind of kills your weekend. I'm sure um, uh, no plans for you, <laughs> but, uh, no. but uh, it is tonight in Michigan state. Uh, probably, you know, has three guys that I guess you could call legitimate NFL prospects. Uh, probably two could get drafted, maybe only one, but Michigan state does have that, that long draft streak on the line. It'll be interesting to see if that continues, but, uh, why don't you, uh, let us know what you're looking forward to, or, well, I guess you might not be looking forward to covering the draft, but what you're looking at in the draft is in yeah, I just, I, standpoint. I was not, I've just never liked the, covering the draft because you're just sitting around waiting for, if you're covering it from an NFL team perspective, you know, barring a trade, you know, when your team picks, Yeah, I mean, you watch and all that stuff, but you're literally sitting there for every single pick waiting for <laughs> to see who goes out and you can update a story, post it. Then you got to try and find the post draft call, which is, they set up within like eight seconds of the pick being put. It's just, anyways, enough of my complaints about the draft. The what was um, me reporter story. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just, you're just, you're, you're literally stuck to the couch. You can't move. But uh, yeah, so three guys, Shakur Brown, Naquan Jones, and uh, Antoine Simmons. Um, yeah, Shakur is, I mean, the draft streaks at 80 years, um, third longest in the nation behind only Michigan and USC. Uh, and that should definitely continue this year, barring some sort of, Huge surprise. Um, Shaker Brown should be picked. You know, he left after his junior year for a reason. He thought he was NFL ready. Um, and, and 
you'll see him in, I haven't seen a mock draft he wasn't in. Um, the, the analysts certainly like him. Um, you're looking at him. I think he's from, I've seen him projected anywhere from the third to the sixth round, I believe. Uh, I think he's probably, I think he's at borderline third round, but probably not. Um, but I, I think fourth round is, is more likely for him. Kind of like Josiah Scott last. Yeah. Fourth or fifth round. I think he, I think he's that fourth or fifth round is the range. Most people have, have pegged him in. Um, you know, he's, the size isn't great, you know, five, nine, uh, and change. Uh, he didn't run a great 40. Um, so really what he's going on is his, you know, his, his ball skills, you know, the, the five interceptions he had last season, um, he had two games with two each, you know, he's a very aggressive guy. Uh, but again, at five, nine, you, you know, you're, you can be as aggressive as you want, but you're matching up against a guy who's six foot three coming down the field. It's going to be a problem. I think that's what Josiah Scott ran into a lot his senior, his junior year at Michigan State you know really physical uh just has a really smart guy when it comes to that but physically just limited so um I've, I've seen some guys project him to go as a, as a nickel uh I think that's where his fit is um in the NFL but um either way should be borderline sec, sec, end of second day guy but definitely a third day guy probably earlier do you think um, NFL teams care about uh <laughs> You know, I, I feel like, you know, Michigan State obviously went with the no-fly zone for a while. You know, Trey Waynes, Darquez Denard, Josiah Scott, uh, Lane, they've all been drafted out of the secondary. Do NFL teams care that Michigan State has produced secondary guys before? Do they take that into account? Well, I think if you know that the coaching's good, then I think that, that certainly can't hurt you. And you look at what it was before, Mark D'Antonio, secondary coach by nature, or by, by background, by trade. He was a DB in college himself. So you trust that when these guys develop these players, especially when you take under recruited guys and you bring them in and they become stars. Um, then you, and you know, obviously Harlan Barnett was there for a long time under Mark. He's now back under Mel who again, defensive back by trade, defensive back coach by trade. And I think, I think there is definitely some value to that. And a lot of that will probably, you know, come to what, you know, if, if you got NFL teams out there talking to Mel and obviously he knows, ton of these guys from spending a decade in the league um scouts and stuff uh, you know what he says about them so if he says this guy's really coachable he can do this he can fit that i, I cer- certainly think that can't hurt you uh, one bit and then naquan jones and antoine simmons what is their outlook yeah borderline for naquan it appears and probably unlikely for antoine um and it's kind of an interesting situation because you look at it antoine was incredibly productive in college. I really liked everything he brought for four years. You know, he didn't, you know, from, he worked his, he worked his way on the field in special teams as a true freshman, you know, and he was a bat, you know, got reps at backup and then, you know, became a two-year starter, led the team in tackles both years. Great leader, very vocal guy, presented him, did everything the right way as far as I can remember, Um, you know, played multiple linebacker spots and, and, and was really the heart and soul of that defense uh, last I would say year and a half really since Bocce went out. Um, definitely this this past season. Um, but you know, the knock on him is the size, 5'11, 218. That's not really your prototypical linebacker in, in the NFL level. Um, not the fastest guy. Um, there some people question his athleticism, things like that. But you know, when I talked, we had Mel Kuyper on one of those draft calls that last forever, uh, not too long ago. Um he said, uh, I asked him about all three prospects. He talked the most about Antoine and just raved about how great a job he did and said he's going to, he thinks he'll have a chance to force his way onto, uh, 
onto a football team, the NFL. But I, you know, the, the, the way it projects is probably going to be undrafted free agent. And then Aquan is a guy that was, you know, basically a, a three-year backup after redshirting behind a, behind a couple guys that are on defensive tackles on NFL teams right now. And Ray Quan Williams and, and Mike Panasuk and um, productive um, big guy, but not like, um, and wildly productive, you know, uh, he, he started four games this year. So there are a couple of games where uh, Jalen Hunter, Deshaun Mallory stepped up ahead of him. Um, his goal was to drop weight before the draft or for the combine uh, pro day, excuse me. He was listed at 340 last year. He was down to 313. He was happy with that. Um, but again, he's a guy that projects as, as maybe, you know, your, your, your ends, your sixth, your seventh round or, or a free agent. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not really a knock on those guys. I mean, the no. NFL's hard. There's only so many spots available. There's a lot of great athletes out there. And we've seen guys, you know, we've seen guys come in as undrafted free agents. Or uh, Wasn't Kari Willis an undrafted free agent? And now no, he's starting. No. Oh, he no, got drafted? No. He was a, oh, he was a, uh, he was a fourth round guy. Okay. I, got, I think I was maybe thinking of no, someone No, I'm sorry. Else. Kari was. I thought he yeah, came. He's fourth, he was fourth round. Sorry. He was early fourth round. Yeah. I think I might have been getting it mixed up with someone, but my point is the same. I mean, we've seen guys drafted in the second half of the draft. We've seen undrafted free agents come in and make an impact in the NFL. So it really just comes in, comes down to the guy, comes down to the fit sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, all three guys should at least get an opportunity. And I guess that's all you can really ask for uh, if you're a young player at this point. So, um, yeah, you know, with, with Raekwon Williams, if you had told me Raekwon going into the, before the 2019 season, if you told me Raekwon Williams was not going to get drafted after that year and it, it wasn't, he wasn't going to get hurt, I would have not believed you. Um, he was, I thought he was a great player at college and right. undrafted. And then, he, you know, he gets picks up with the Eagles and he ends up playing at the end of the year. So um, similar deal with Panasuk, although he, I don't think he got off the uh, practice squad for the, the Panthers there. Hmm. Well, it's tonight. It starts. It'll be uh, three days of uh, of action, and Matt will be there covering it all. Uh, whether he likes it or not, <laughs> he will be glued to his his seat. But uh, uh, so check out his coverage on mlive.com slash Spartans. Um, before I let you go, uh, Matt, who do you think the Lions are taking? Oh, I neither know nor care, but I do have to. Well, I shouldn't say I don't care because <laughs> uh, I do care for work purposes. I will have to care because I'm going to have to do a little help with the lines tonight, but uh, um, no, I don't care. I don't, I don't. You don't even have a guess or a I don't No, I mean, maybe Justin Fields, Devante Smith. Those are the couple of names I've heard. I mean, I look at some of this stuff, um, but. Um, I'm in the trade down and take Micah Parsons camp. I, I, uh, yeah, I know, I know of Micah Parsons, obviously from Penn state and he was a big time recruit coming out of Pennsylvania, but no, I don't care. I don't watch the lions. <laughs> I don't think even on Thanksgiving, I don't really watch the lions. So. I'm not a huge lions um, guy either. I care more about fantasy football than the lions, but you know, I'm just, you know, it's kind of fun to see, you know, if Justin Fields was in fact the pick, I don't think that's the most sensible pick, but if it did end in fact end up happening, it would at least be exciting to have a, a dynamic athlete like Justin Fields playing quarterback for the Detroit Lions and presumably being, you know, the, the next face of the franchise now that Matthew Stafford has moved on. So uh, it would certainly be interesting. The NFL draft, you know, I know a lot of people get really excited about it. The one thing I'm glad about more than anything is that now we can stop prognosticating 
very, very uh, fed up and annoyed and sick of all the mock drafts, everyone acting like they have any idea what's going to happen because nobody really knows. Um, but we will find out tonight. Uh, we'll see where these Michigan State guys go. Probably won't hear, or very likely won't hear any of their names tonight, but uh, possibly Friday and into Saturday. And it'll be interesting to see where these guys land. We'll keep you updated on all of it. Uh, Matt, enjoy the draft. Hope you at least order some good food for the draft. Yeah, yeah I got some food. I, I got some leftovers I can work on. Oh, good stuff or just like, uh, yeah, like yeah, lasagna yeah. or what are we talking nah, about? Nah, I got some. I'm a, I'm, a chi- I'm a big chicken guy, so oh. I can eat chicken every day of the week. That's fine with me. I'm thinking some B-dubs might need to be in the cards for me, so we'll yeah. see about that. <laughs> all right, well, let's get out of here. We're running long. Matt will be all over the draft, and uh, we'll stay on top of everything happening with Michigan State. Uh, we'll get Kyle back in here next week. But for Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thanks for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go green.